to the land of Judah. Ruth chapter 1, beginning with verse number 7. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. They said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husband? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, I should, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. They lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. Then that last sentence of verse 7, they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. That's our text. So, Father, help us for the next few moments as we talk about this, as we learn from this, speak to all of our hearts in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, this is a lovely book. It's one of the few books in the Bible where we have a, a, a woman, a heroine, who is being used by God for some specific purpose. This is a book that should mean a lot to all of us because it does teach us that in this life there are things that occur Sometimes people are in your life, sometimes people are no longer in your life. Despite all of that, you still have to continue with God. We learned in that first lesson that even after you've buried some of the closest people to you, that you can't just pitch a tent in the valley of the shadow of death. You have to progress and keep going. Today I want you to notice that she has heard that in her homeland, Lord, the Lord has visited his people. She's been in Moab a very long time. But there is something about going home that provides energy and spark to living. If you've ever been away from home for any number of days or for a brief period of time, there's a certain nostalgia, certain good memories that you have. It may not be a physical location, but it just may be a place in your mind or in your memory where you go to and you remember grandma's pies or cake. Maybe it is a place where you were raised. I know for myself, whenever I have an opportunity to go back to Ohio to visit my folks and family in, in Cleveland, uh, there is an adrenaline rush for me, whether I'm going by plane or driving. I look forward to getting back home. And I think there was something in connection with that with Naomi after she had heard that the famine had been broken and that God was moving, that there was bread and food at home in Bethlehem. She said to her daughters-in-law, I'm going back home because I believe God's doing something great there. There's no sense in you 
staying the rest of your life with me. You're young enough. You can each be married to someone. And you notice in verse 7, it says that she went out of the place and her daughters-in-law were with her. Now, she attempted to convince them to go back. She's trying to return home to Judah. Her life has had one obstacle after another here lately, but she's going back to this, this place called Judah. We told you the, the history of Moab in the last lesson, how it came about, that the twisted, sordid tale behind Lot and his family. But think of Judah. Judah was one of Jacob's children. Jacob lived in that time of the patri patriarchs where a man had more than one wife, and he happened to have one that he was not too fond of, except for conjugal visits. But other than that, his affection and his love went towards Rachel, but Leah, the one that was scorned by him, she had it in her mind, if I can produce sons, babies for him, he'll love me. She had the first child, named him Reuben. She had the second child, named him Simeon. Each time she had a child, she thought to herself, my husband's going to love me more. I'll name him Simeon because now God has heard my prayers. He sees that I'm afflicted. He doesn't like me, and he'll join himself to me. And then she had the third one and named him Levi on the basis of that. It never got better. Cold, lonely nights. But then according to the scripture, she finally had Judah. And it's at that point she got her mind off of Jacob and thought about the Lord and said, I'll call him Judah. Now I will praise the Lord. And that's so important. That when you pass through difficult times, that you keep your focus on God. If you don't keep your focus on God, it's going to be difficult for you to enjoy Judah. The word Judah means praise. So wherever you are, it should be a land of praise. Don't allow anything to rob you of joy and happiness and peace. And your gladness of heart that you, you should have in your relationship with the Lord. Don't allow anything that's taking place in this earthly realm, in Moab, to rob you of having a good time in your relationship with God. She said to her daughters, let's go home. They packed their bags. They started going with her. And she began to speak to them and say, it's better for you to go back. And notice the blessings that she's giving to them in verse 8. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you've dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant you to find rest. They were good daughter-in-laws. I mean, their husbands died. Her two sons had died, and they stayed with her. Those are good daughter-in-laws. You know as well as I do when you bury people that it's a sad time. But, but as a pastor, having done so many different funerals, I can say I enjoy funerals for believers. If they passed away and they knew God, it's a wonderful homegoing service. I'm quite excited to be able to do it, even though my heart breaks and I grieve for the decedent because I've got memories with him or her and I'm going to miss them also. But the most difficult time, I think, is not sitting, listening to me preach, seeing the, the, the family members as they weep and cry. I think the hardest part is when I observe all of the people that have come for the funeral, and they've shut down Main Street, and people have taken off to go on vacation to come be a part of this, to see over a period of days how the house empties. Then the person who's lost a spouse or lost a child, and families are there by themselves as everyone has to go back to their respective places 
And there's a sadness that sits in. Scripture says these two daughter-in-laws stayed right with her, and that's why she was able to say, you've dealt kindly with the dead. You've honored the memory of my sons. You've remained with me. The Lord grants you to find rest. Every young lady wants to be married. She's encouraging them to leave. They don't want to obey her encouragement. They said to her in verse 10, we are going with you. They were serious about this. I tell the story how when Naomi is telling them to leave, I facetiously give it the, the spin where Orpah is back there packing her bags as fast as she could to get out of there. But she did start on the pathway back to Judah. But over again, this lady Naomi says to them, why will you go with me? I don't have anything to offer. That's what she's saying. My life right now seems like it's been abandoned. I don't have a husband. I don't have any sons. That means you potentially are not going to have any children. Even if I could have more children and find a husband for myself, would you wait until my sons got old enough for you to marry and then you'd be older? Well, Orpah gave some thought to that. And she was not really willing to spend the rest of her days in a foreign land, not knowing what was going to take place. And verse 14 says, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth claved to her. That means she turned and went back. Now here is what is fundamentally important for you as a believer. There are people in your life that will only go with you so far and no further. But you still have to be willing to go with God. Yeah. Here's what happened. They were close. They had very strong relationships. Naomi and Orpah were tight to the point that they had the same faith, the same religion, lived together. The bond was secure. But now there is something that has come up. Once they buried Orpah's husband, there was something in her that died. Something in her they put in that ground. And now she's thinking to herself, I don't know if I want to go as a foreigner to Bethlehem, to Judah, and to be over there with you. She began to think about her mother, her father, her grandparents, the gods that she once served. And she said, do I really want to turn away from everything that I know and do like Naomi did as she left Bethlehem to come here? And do I really want to give up everything to go forward? She decided she didn't want to do that, so she declined, and this is why I like the story of Naomi. Because even though her daughter-in-law, blood kin, went back, she continued to go forward. Folks, there are things that we've got to learn in this story, just like we learned with Ruth. Ruth said to her mother-in-law in verses 16, 17, and 18, beautiful words, said, please stop asking me to leave you. You're not just my mother-in-law, you're my mother now. He said, wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you live, I'll live. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I'll die. Wherever you're buried, they'll put a monument or a headstone for me there also. And this woman said, there's nothing but death that can separate us. Her heart was so united to her mother-in-law that she said, I will follow you wherever you go. Here's the difference between Orpah and Ruth. 
There was something in Moab that still was alive in Orpah's heart. It kept her there. But according to Ruth, everything in Moab was dead to her. Bible says if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. Scripture says except you hate your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your husband, and your wife, knowing that hate means to love less, except you put God first, you cannot get into the kingdom of God. You won't progress and go forward. This is important. What would you do today if somebody in your family said to you, you're going to serve that God or you're going to do this or do that, then you're just not going to talk to us. We're not going to have relationships with you. Are you strong enough like Naomi to watch somebody go in the opposite direction, but you continue to press on with God? It's important to know that you can do it. Tiffany and I one time were speaking at a Methodist church several hours away from here and had good meetings. And at the end of the meeting, I had somebody who came up to me who said, uh, Pastor Darrell, in uh, the place where you live, I've got family members that are part of the Jehovah's Witnesses. And I'd like to know if maybe you could call one of my relatives and tell them that I'm doing okay because they won't talk to me since I converted to Christianity and they shun me and none of them will speak with me. So I got the number from the individual, and I got home, and I called, and I said, how you doing? After the person answered the phone, I said, I'm Pastor Darrell of Revival Tabernacle. Just calling, want to let you know that I spoke with one of your relatives at this revival that I was at, and they want you to know that they're well, and they're alive, and everything's good. Click. Just hung up on me. Now, I can't understand that. I can't understand any kind of, of a faith that says your blood kin, your blood relative, the seed that you've given birth to, that you have to shun them and you can't talk to them simply because they've come to faith in Jesus Christ. But you know what impressed me most about that young lady I spoke to in that Methodist church? What impressed me was the fact that even though her family treated her the way they did, she never turned her back on God. She kept going forward. I've met a lot of people in my life that if the family throws a big enough fit, they'll acquiesce to just about anything. Compromise their virtues. Ruth says to her mother-in-law, verse 16, please don't ask me to leave you because I'm not going anywhere. That last sentence of verse 17 says there's nothing but death that can separate from me. Me and you because our hearts are united and I belong to you. And when the mother saw that Ruth was steadfastly minded to go, she stopped talking to her because she knew this girl had a made-up mind. Mm -hmm. Not going anywhere else. I'm staying with you. I hope that's the kind of mind you have, a made-up mind, a steadfast mind, that if people mock you, if people scandalize you, if people lie on you, if people go out of their way to try to put you in compromising situations to manipulate your actions. But you won't change in your belief and your opinion about God. So the two of them in verse 19 came to Bethlehem. Notice that both of them together in agreement turned their backs on Orpah and continued to go forward. Even when people backslide. You ever seen people do that? I have. I've seen people start off with a fervor and a fire for God. 
But then there's something about the things of Moab that grab our heart. Remember the story of Paul? The scripture says that when they asked him about Demas, he wrote back and he said, Demas has forsaken me for this present world. Something in this world that's so enticing, the allurements of this world have caused him to leave me and the gospel in order to go back into the world. There's nothing worth going back to. If I were to backslide and leave the Lord, there's nothing for me to go back to. What? Sin? Trouble? Might end up in jail? Dead? What, what's, what's to return to? What is there to go back to? To go back to other gods as Orpah did. She walked away from the one thing that was important in life. And that was the faith that was held in that home with Elimelech and with his sons and with Naomi. And the scripture says in verse 19, when they came to Bethlehem, the whole city looked at them and said, is this Naomi? She looks different now. She's a little bit older. They've lived in um, Moab now for quite a long period of time, more than a decade or so, a long time they've been out there. And so they looked at him and said, this, I wonder who this is. Maybe with all the stress of everything she was going through, maybe all the funerals, maybe she's got a few more wrinkles in her face now. Maybe her hair has changed color. Maybe she's lost a lot of weight, looks skinny, whatever. Life has changed somewhat. And the scripture says here, they're asking the question, is this Naomi? Notice her reply in verse 20. Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Mara means bitter. She says the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Notice her perspective now. Her perspective is that with all the troubles and trials and problems that I had, it seems to me like God is my enemy. Now they put it in the book for us to read it there. But I want you to understand just because her perspective is that it seems like God is her enemy, that does not necessarily mean God was fighting her. That's certainly how she perceived it. She says, call me Mara because I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Now, she did say something very true in verse 21, and that is the Lord did bring her home. See, the Lord did bring her home. But, but I don't know if you, I guess if we're all honest, there have probably been times in your life where you've thought about you know, God's plan, what all is really taking place. There have been times in my life where I'm sure the Lord's been peeking in the secret crevices of my heart. And, 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 he, and he saw where, where I was thinking, goodness, Lord, I mean, is, do you even know I'm down here? <laughs> Surely you've got to be for me right now. Yeah, I mean, even if you don't vocalize it, God sees what's going on in your heart, even you're thinking about it. I might be able to fool you. You might be able to fool me, but God knows what we're thinking about him. Naomi tells all of these inhabitants of the city. Just seems to me like the Lord has testified against me, like the Lord has afflicted me. So verse 22, it says, Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess and her daughter-in-law when they returned out of the country of Moab and came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. Now, harvest time is a happy occasion. And even in America, in the history of this nation, when, 
When harvest time came around, you know, you'd have festivals, and sometimes people, they, you'd have folks that would, you know, they, some might pull out their ukuleles and some of their little banjos, and for, for, for you folks in Therry County that like yodeling, you might have some people that get out there and yodel, and sometimes people would be dancing at festival time, a lot of food, a lot of frivolity, and a lot of fun, people getting together. But with all of that going on at the harvest time and people enjoying the fact that we're bringing in the harvest and, and it's a time of work, but it's also a time of pleasure and a time of joy. Notice the excitement that would exist in the city. And even though Judah is buzzing with praise and glory and joy to God, here comes somebody who doesn't exactly have it. And that's Naomi. So that that tells me that you, you can be on the path. And everybody else can be excited about God and in love with God and rejoicing and praising the Lord. And you can be right in the midst of them and not have any joy in your own heart. I see it often. Yeah. A group of people praising and worshiping God. And there's somebody that's accusing God. Don't make God your enemy. Let God be your friend. You make God your enemy, it's hard to praise him. It's hard to praise an enemy. You know that? Even though the scripture says that we should bless those that curse us and love our enemies. It, you know, you, you can show love to an enemy, but it's hard to praise an enemy. It's hard to say something good about an enemy. An enemy can be hungry, you'll feed him. can be thirsty, you'll give him something to drink. But it's hard to speak good about somebody you consider to be your enemy. And if you ever take God to be somebody who's fighting against you, it's very difficult for you to worship and praise him and give him the glory that he wants to receive. So to return to the land of Judah means to go back to a place of praise, like Leah did. To look at your life and say, now, despite some of these other things, now I will praise the Lord. Now I will glorify God to come back into Bethlehem in the house of bread and say, the Lord has brought me in and I am glad that he brought me safely. So think about what God's put in your life. And why would you ever take the time to murmur? You've got a nice home. Got a nice car got clothes open up that closet you got more clothes you know what to do with you've got food in your cupboards money in your pocket employment the next time you're ready to to murmur and complain just get up walk out your front door side door whatever back door go stand out in the yard and turn and look at your house just look at it look at that house in which you live and then think about the fact that there were grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents that you have that would have loved to have what you have right now. Yeah. I can think of a lot of kids in America that would love to trade places with any young person in here right now for just one hour. To have your mom and dad, to have your aunties, to have the toys that you have around your house, to have the bed that you sleep in. You don't need to go around talking about the Lord brought you home empty. You should praise God for what he has done for you. He has blessed you and kept you. And keep your faith intact as you walk with God and you will find that the Lord is very, very faithful. So Naomi came home to a place buzzing with praise, but she doesn't quite have it 
in her heart yet. She'll have it soon, but not quite yet. Sometimes we pass through situations and we might say, well, you know, emotionally he or she is not there yet. Well, that's fine, but always remember, emotions have no intelligence. No intelligence at all. Emotions follow a person's thinking. You want to change your emotional state? Change what you think about a person or a situation. If, if I sit here and, and I just meditate on what I perceive to be bad things that you've done or said, or if I meditate on what I think you're thinking about me in a bad way, then pretty soon I'll be unhappy too. If, if while I'm ministering the word of God, if, if I could just take pictures sometimes of the faces that people make as I'm ministering, and then go home and take the pictures and put them on the wall and just meditate on the expressions on people's face, I'd be a wreck. I'd be a wreck. See? But see, folks, it's not about your emotions. It's about your relationship with God. And the land of Jews is a place where we praise the Lord and glorify him. So bless the Lord. God is good. And his mercies endureth forever. Amen? Isn't it a great day to be alive? Wow, it's a great day to be alive.